who's going in as back coach? Has it been named yet? Oh, it's big rumors. Yeah. He says he doesn't know. Go on, you named the you, you named I the forwards. Coach. I broke it last week. Prendergast. Is it Prendergast? In, yeah, hundred percent. Well, I just made it up there now, so if you want to take my word for it... Uh, it's just come true, his you know. non-existent area. Joe presents House of Rugby, United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello, and you're very welcome back to the latest episode of House of Rugby. I'm in a hot seat today. As we said last week, Jason's off sunning himself in sunny Nurka in Spain. But we're lucky enough to have Lindsay Pete back. You're very welcome, Lindsay. Thank you very much. I missed your little face. And this guy here, I had to come back to because he did such a good job. I was a bit territorial last week. So. Yeah, of course. We've got Mr. Mustache back. Darren Cave, very welcome again. Thank you. We're actually um, trialling a new format. House Rugby, we're all about giving the fans what they want. We've got so many messages looking rid of Jason. <laughs> um, that we thought this would be a good opportunity to workshop a new format. So yeah, no, everyone just wanted the mustache back, man. Yeah, I can't blame them. That was it. You look great, and we have an incredible guest on today, Monster. What, 157 caps for Munster and Irish international Rory Scanlon. Very welcome, Rory. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Good to have you on. And you actually played in the match on Friday night. We might as well just jump straight into it. The best match of the weekend, Munster versus Cardiff in Musgrave Park. No longer Irish independent park, but Musgrave. You must be delighted with that as well because you're a Cork man. But how did you feel the match went? Yeah, it was a good win. Um, good crowd down there. It was a tough game. Uh, I hadn't played in a few weeks, so a lot of running involved. Uh, <laughs> for a good attacking team as well so it was a good challenge but um, yeah, we got to five points which was great so it was a good night Yeah it was great a lot of lads after the game I think Peter Omani said it and Mike Haley man the match said they were wrecked after the game is that from the 4G or what's that just training load was heavy during the week? Um, tended to be a bit more running game I think uh, Cardiff run the ball a lot as well we knew that but um yeah, I was thinking uh, halfway through, was it just me and not having played in a few weeks, uh, <laughs> feeling a bit unfit or was everyone else feeling the same? And I think the, the general consensus was that it was a tough game, a lot of running involved. So yeah, the lads were quite tired after. Yeah, well, it was a 42-21, so there was a lot of tries scored and you had a big moment where you you gave it over the top to Jack O'Donoghue who, who moved it on to Mike Haley, was it? That was a, yep. a nice pass over you there. Try, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it was yeah. a hell of a peanut off the left. <laughs> <laughs> It just sort of shaped and then I think we're going to see it later. I yeah. Sorry to spoil the show. It was incredible. Yeah, it was a skip three over the top. <laughs> skip it. was a Wembley yeah. ball over yeah, the top. The quick lads. Yeah. Yeah, but you had a small margin to get it to Jack and he, he caught it well and it was, it yeah, was nice. Good, good yeah. finish. Well, how come, I'm going to just go straight out to say, you kind of started a bit slowly, didn't you? Cardiff got two early tries. What do you think happened there? Uh, I think they just got a bit of momentum, um, you know, and we, we struggled a bit defensively at the start. They got a quick try and then you know, when they get that momentum, we got a bit narrow defensively and, you know, we had a chat about it under the posts and I think we we kind of solved that after the first kind of 20 minutes and uh, managed to keep them out for most of the game. But, yeah, we started a bit slow and it took us a while to get into it. But, yeah, I think we did a quite a good job in the end. Yeah, you did. You did a great show. I was very impressed with uh, John. Who's after winning me over? Is Mike Haley's after winning me over? I thought he had after, an incredible game. Is that was it just la- last night that you have decided? No, after, I, I always after knew he was he's an Irish international. Mm, he's no, not. He's, he's not. He hasn't capped yet. He's been in the squad. Is he was in cap? Cap, Yeah. How many yeah, caps do you I have? Think he's one. Yeah. Did you get one. He's... Fact check. Well, okay. <laughs> I was asking you before how many caps you have. <laughs> too, many to, too many to remember. Yeah. Well, I have no Irish caps, so I can't say. Well, no, it's Irish 15s caps. But no, Mike Haley, I, I always knew he was a good player, but he was phenomenal on the weekend. Dude, he was everywhere. He's Is he always like that in training? or? Yeah, he's a great engine in fairness, unbelievably fit. Um, you know, he hasn't really been in the mix with Ireland, but obviously fullback's a strong, strong position uh, in the country. And he's been outstanding, particularly the last two years. He's backing it up. Week, week on week, which is great. Um, That's what I was going to say. He's so he's playing, consistent. Yeah, he's playing every week. And in fairness to him, he's, uh, he fronts up every week. So he's been doing a great job for us in fairness. Yeah. But when he and his try, all the defenders, they saw you coming. Like, yeah, they all been on me, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and, and you were screaming. Just, I thought you were dancing. You were one of those ones where he stumbled through and you were like, <laughs> get, fall over and pop it up, fall yeah. over and pop it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he wasn't giving it to me too quickly, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> well, listen, the rugby nerd in us now is going to come out. Like, that pass is what made the try, but you won't get any of the credit for it, like, for, ah, to man. see that. Ah, yeah, it's, it's all parts, but I'm happy enough as long as we're scoring and winning That's games. Well, this, is yeah. what, this is actually what I want to know. Did you ever train with Greg? Yeah, plenty. Tell us, about him. Tell, us, tell us a bit about Greg, the rugby player. 
<laughs> I just I know him as Greg the influencer, right? Could he hit that pass that you hit for my Kevin? There's pass? no way he's a good pass. He was usually on the end of them, to be fair. So we finisher, went, yeah, a bit of a finisher, very so he quick. Took all so the he used, he used to take all the yeah, all those passes over the top. Me and Skans played a lot of rugby together when yeah. I our first went to the academy in 2013. And uh, we did a year in academy together and then he pushed onto the senior squad and became the player he is now. But I played in the wing a lot, a lot of A-caps. I never, oh, I never got guy. a Munster senior yeah. cap, but I got a lot of A-caps a with him, yeah. We won a B&I Cup together, did you play in that one? Or you didn't, were, no, were big I didn't time play, didn't play then. I yeah. was a big time, but I, I wasn't here, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. I'll tell you another guy who made a big impact for me and we're going to probably fall out, right? So you're going to help us with this argument. Craig Casey obviously came on and made a big impact. He really sped things up for us and really made, he obviously got two tries then himself. Um, talk to me about Craig Casey do you think he should be starting because for me he's, he's a favourite of mine because I think the game has evolved and any time I've seen most put a consistent performance together he's been at the heart of it to be honest he moves the ball quick he gets your forwards on the ball you just play an open play you just play that new offloading game with a mixture of your youth and experience and I think any of your standout performances for me personally this man to my right will argue with me I think Craig Casey. Now, it's nothing against Conor Murray. He's been a stalwart of both Munster and Ireland. But for me now, for going forward at the business end, I'd probably favour I Mr. love it. Let's talk to scans first, yeah? Greg's a big, uh, a big Murray fan. I know that. So I... <laughs> Which, which one of your teammates do you it's like not better? Like a person. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick ones, guys. Oh, you have to pick one. Like, uh, I told yeah. you he'd be political. You wouldn't he be. He has to be. Uh, like, you know, imagine uh, rocking up the training <laughs> tomorrow. And he's like, you know what I mean? Well, not making it a personal thing. If you're going to say for the business end, if Munster are going to bring home trophies, who's the man who's playing the rugby that's going to get you over the line? So it's not about, like, because obviously they're both gentlemen, they're both fabulous players and people. But yeah. Like, Munster want to see trophies. He's been barren for a long time. I love massaging that in as a Leinster woman. But that's my question to you Leinster's now. a good weekend, actually. Yeah, yeah I think like that. Oh, sorry, we bought our little uh, crash load of players down to South Africa. Yeah. Uh, no, I think the last few weeks, like, connor has been playing very well when he started. Um, and, like, Craig's been bringing a great impact off the bench that we saw the other night. Um, and, like, when Craig has started as well, he's had some great performances, as you said. So... I think the way we've been going the last few weeks seems to be working well. That, that last 20 minutes when games open up, Craig's coming on having a huge impact and two tries the other night. He's running around lads for fun. Um, you know, they're two very different players, yeah. as you said. Connor's kicking game, like, best in the world, I think. So I think the way we've been going the last few weeks, I think it's been working. So I, I wouldn't see it changing, but I'm not picking the team, unfortunately. So. <laughs> Casey, it is. <laughs> Are you Casey over Murray? I'm Switzerland. Like, I ain't getting involved nah, in this. pick like, one, man. Pick You're the most one, opinionated man pick ever. Pick one or pick piss one. off. Go. Murray or Casey? Um, I think Starting you need, um, you know, you need depth in all positions. <laughs> Get away with all that crap. You're going to need the other one. one to come off the bench. I ain't picking one. You're such a sausage, man. Pick one. <laughs> a sausage. <laughs> Um, no, I'm not picking one. Oh, listen, man. They're both good. Listen, I, do you have to have an opinion? Can I not Of course be, you do. It's your whole job. Say, listen, they're both good players. I don't know what's the style of play. Oh, you know, don't I give think me that crap, man. It's the truth. It's listen, the truth. I'm a loose head who likes the loose game and I like running off little mad number nines who I, I excite me and are quick. So, you know, it's not a kind of Murray thing. You know, then there's the more but rounded. I, what about, I want to ask you about the monster style of play, right? And Larkham coming in there, like I've said on the show before, I was buzzing. I, he was part of that Brumbies team and I grew up going to Sky's guy. For a long time, Munster's attack, I think when you watch it, it doesn't look that effective. But when you look, and I noticed this last week, the amount of tries scored. Do you feel any of that from outside the group? Like, you know, getting flack about the style of play? And obviously the main measure of an attack is how many tries you score. And Munster score an absurd amount of tries. Yeah, we like there would be noise in the background about our style of play. I think the attack the last last couple of months, last eighteen months has been, you know, we've showed some great stuff at times. Uh, you know, a lot of it as well. You know, yourself playing Ireland, it's weather dependent. So <laughs> a rainy night in Tolman Park might not be the best night to throw the ball around. But I think, as you said, like we're scoring tries, which is the main thing. Um, you know, when we're getting into the into the twenty two, you know, our lineout's been very good, our mall's been very good. So. You know, as long as we're scoring tries, we're just going to kind of ignore that that noise on the outside. And I think there's been some great glimpses of our attack, you know, even soft Friday night. So it's, uh, no, I think it's it's definitely, definitely gotten a lot better over the last two, three years since 
since Steve's come in. Because I noticed, obviously, being an Ulster fan, watching Ulster every week, there's always so much about, like, Ulster's attack, mm-hmm. and they play this brilliant brand of rugby, and it's brilliant, and Balakoon and Michael Lowry, it's just unbelievable. And then the game last week, before the game, I checked, I think I don't think I said this on the show you last did, week, yeah. or I did. And, 15 um, more tries yeah. than Munster scored 15 more tries than Ulster that far to that more point. More again, I would say it's 16 or 17. Yeah, now, and I just thought, that, like, that's, like, that's, they're averaging one a game more, and isn't it strange how my perception as, like, um, showbiz yeah. uh, pundit <laughs> I think it comes from was that Munster's attack has really been unimpressive under Larkham and hasn't moved forward yeah I'm I think it, I hold my hands I, up I think it stems from I think it stems from people in Ulster being not so excited about Balakoon and Lowry who are open evasive runners where Munster have a lot of like seasoned fellas who are, know how to play the game they just get it done you're much more efficient down in Munster I think it's not it's not the most exciting it sometimes it's exciting but it's so efficient like get into 22 to score get back they're winning games that's why they're second in the league now which is, um, but I just want to go back to this Murray Casey thing, right? <laughs> Very quickly. Yeah. I just feel that Murray's getting left being like, everyone's like, oh, drop Murray, he's finished. But he, I don't think he's finished at all. His kicking ability is incredible. And I think the best situation to have is what Rory said there is start him and get the game up and running. He's he's going to do his job. And then bring Casey on, who's just a firecracker. Come See, on. I think the opposite, right? Because I think you're going into Toulouse next week. I think you need like Casey who's fiery and get that game like won like and then Murray to close it out as the consistent well-seasoned experienced number nine who can close the game out and slow it down when you need yeah. to that's my opinion really? of which I think Casey coming on against tired Toulouse forwards I don't see Toulouse I don't see them being that same animal personally but you know? no and I think you know I love Casey as well. He's a Shannon man. He's a Limerick man. No, and, I, and well. please let me wrong because I don't want Conor Ro- Murray rocking up to in his Land Rover to my house like yeah. saying, Lindsay, what's the story here? What's your problem with me? Apparently, I think he's a fantastic number nine. No, he apparently doesn't. he's a huge listener of this show. Who? He absolutely Murray. is. Of course That's he is. why I'm a reluctant to say like... Yeah. Conor Murray, if you're listening, I still think you've so much to give and I love you. But and you're gorgeous. He is gorgeous. <laughs> I'm not going that far. Okay? Uh, <laughs> you can get away with it with the tash. But Murray versus DuPont, what do you think about that? Do you think Casey would be better up going against DuPont? They're kind of similar players. Yeah, I see your point because obviously now you're kind of pitching two like scrum halves that are going to outwit one another. Yeah, they both play the same They're just kind of, yeah, they're, they're the masterminds pulling the string of the overall team. So DuPont, he just takes those chances and this is where we're at the business end of the season. So I think Murray for me at times, and as I said, it's not, it's just a personal thing for me if I was playing. And anyone who played would be like, yeah, Lindsay's not safe. She's the most reckless player. And I was a point guard at basketball, so like my coach hated me. But <laughs> I just think business end of the season, sometimes you need... That little bit of magic, but yeah. I think the the good conundrum is that you have two fantastic two number nines, nines that, yeah. and then now with Haley, with Healy, um, you Joey. know, with Joey, like everyone's, and if you can keep them fit, like I think it's hopefully going to be a successful end of the hopefully. season for yeah. That's what that's what he said ten minutes ago. He was like, "We need them both." <laughs> well, we need said. to fill some airtime. Yeah, true. At least by Conor Murray's like. going to start against Toulouse, by the way. Obviously, he is. Um, <laughs> against Toulouse, what do you think? You're going to get it done in the Aviva. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be tough. Obviously, we played them last year, so it's uh, you know that was an incredibly physical game and massive pack. You know, we know what they're going to bring and some lethal backs as well. So it's it's going to be tough, but hopefully, we get a, a big crowd in into the Aviva and yeah. uh, give it a rattle. Well, just there about the Aviva. What's it internally in the Munster team? Are you kind of annoyed it's not in Tolman because that's a fortress for you guys. Yeah, like obviously we love playing in Tolman, but it was you know we, we kind of knew a while back that if if we got to this point and it was you know if it was two of us in this game that it was going to be in Dublin and you know it was a decision made a long time ago so you knew inter- that age, yeah you? internally we we knew like so it's you know it's not a surprise to us yeah um, and obviously you know there's been loads of buses and trains organized as well and I think they've sold over 30,000 tickets already so yeah hopefully we get more of a crowd up there it'd be great you know that game we played against Saris a few years ago in the semi-final you know, packed full of red jerseys. It was incredible yeah. buzz up there. So, you know, hopefully we get that again. It was, you know, but win this time, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Munster are one of the best supported rugby teams in the world. So I think everyone is going to travel, but it's just the difference. Tolman is just like, I'd hate to be Toulouse coming to Tolman. I think they're, they'd be a little bit happier going to Vivi. It's more modern stadium. What would you make of that, Darren? I think they're, I think you're probably right. But again, like from the Munster point of view, I remember like when we were playing Ulster, playing in a Champions Cup semi-final. Mm-hmm. And that was at the Viva. And I do think one thing Munster and Ulster both have, and Connor, all the provinces is like a lot of people that will get in behind him. And I do think for the players, like it is a little bit different and it's also special. Yeah. And thinking back to that game, I remember there was probably 40-something thousand fans 
from Belfast and it turned into like, you know, the whole kind of city or area, you know, the whole of Limerick will be in Dublin mm. and it turns into like a big thing. And then that's really different and that's really special, you know, going to the Aviva and seeing, not that when you're playing for Ireland, it's not special, but just really different. And I do think Munster is the kind of club that I not hear during the week. Munster, Martin Anniai, the you CEO of the URC, said Munster are the most, um, there was some stats came out about like uh, viewership. Uh, most watched. Munster are the most watched team. Yeah, the, the YouTube clips even, they're most watched are Munster. Like, so it's just mm-hmm. avid fans, do you know what I mean? So I think, I think it's the over, fans will get in behind them. Yeah. Well, it's over two years now with COVID and everything, everything's mm. been so interrupted, I think. The Munster crew and... Like I've, uh, like I hope to be there maybe with my son, you know. And there's so many even girls I play with club who are based up here in Munster. So I think it's going to be hopefully people will get up and support and yeah. Like even the last advantage. few games over in Exeter, you know, fans are just delighted to be allowed to go to games there again. Yeah. So, and Munster love travelling. So it's you know we've had a great crowd the last few weeks, and you know as you said, a lot of like Limerick, Cork people, they're yeah, all based in Dublin as well. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of that contingent as well. So yeah, definitely. Sure the Munster fans there. always look a wee bit like happy, uh, the way games always look a bit like that, like they're just happy to be out of the house. <laughs> yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like they look like they're always on lockdown and then yeah. they've rocked up at Sandy Park. This <laughs> 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 is still locked in Limerick, I guess, hasn't been outside yeah. in months. Munster tra- <laughs> fans travel everywhere. Like, they love it. Like, yeah. they love it. Yeah. See what Jake Paul said last night about Irish fans. So obviously Katie Taylor won last night, which yeah. is incredible. You. Best Irish athlete ever, in my opinion. She's incredible. Jake Paul got interviewed afterwards, who was the promoter of the Serrano. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, Irish fans are crazy. He was like, you couldn't get over Irish fans. Like, so even Munster, more rural, even. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think we're, hopefully we get something like that in yeah. the Aviva on Saturday and get the win. I believe Munster can win, but what do you guys think? Rory I actually think so. No, I think it's it's been a good year. I think, yeah, consistent performance throughout. Um, I think uh, it could be a nice I, red day. I, I don't think Toulouse are all that this year. I think Munster are going to win. Yeah. Just from watching them against Ulster both weeks, I know they beat Ulster, but um, like Ulster will be sweating because like they it wasn't they weren't completely it wasn't just like sometimes you rock up against one of the best teams in the world and you get spanked. Like, <laughs> they were there to be beaten. They, they were, just made yeah. a absolute bollocks of it. So like I think Toulouse are they're, they're not sitting as pretty in the league. I think they're a hundred percent there to be beaten. And Munster, I think Munster can definitely definitely do it. I love yeah. that. Derek. I think this squad. I yes. absolutely <laughs> love Munster, oh except when they yeah. went in Belfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Do you know what would have been nice? Yeah. It would have been nice having Ulster Munster though on a Naviva. That would have been class. Yeah, but look, would have been good. hindsight's great. Maybe next year. Yeah. What about um, the other province there? Tabletop of Leinster, obviously, we're still down in South Africa and we're hoping to bounce back against the Stormers, but unfortunately, it was not to be. And they came around with a, bo- a bonus point loss. Uh, so they secured their place at the top and a home quarterfinal. So not too bad. They went out with a very experimental squad. Yeah, it's a good word for experimental. They lost 20 points to 13, yeah. And they kicked it out, as you said there at the end, which was such a weird thing to see. Harry Byrne kicked it out and um, I could see Alex Soraka like kind of turning and Reese Ruddock was trying to calm him down. And I was like, yeah, some left mag, I think, wasn't yeah, there? And I was like, <laughs> I totally am with you, Alex. I don't know, not like I don't know why he's done it. But obviously this is something tactically they spoke about maybe after they were happy enough. Yeah, but Did they need a bonus point? They're so far up the top of the table, like. Just no, like, well, maybe think, it was uh, to do with other teams, well, it? I, think, I think they're six clear of us now and we play them last, so if they didn't get the bonus point, we may, might have potentially be ten points difference. So important for them to get that point. I think, so yeah. you sitting okay. watching that game would have rather that they played on in the hope that something went wrong and someone went the length and they didn't get the bonus point and you just you beat them and you can finish top. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Monster so not happy that the ball was kicked out. Very well, listen, professional. I'll give you the Toulouse win, but just to come up there as confidence saying when we beat them at the end yeah, of the when season. We, when we beat them with a bonus point in Dublin, as you listen, do. Listen, yeah. uh, I'm a bit too confident here. And you think the Lens lads were standing on the pitch down in South Africa going, hold on, we worked this out now. If we kick this out, we get a bonus point. And then I we do think Winter so. Reese Ruddock was like kind of really like trying to explain, so, you know, as to why. because Would you get into that depth, Rory, on the pitch? There'd, oh, be mess- there'd be messages coming on like from coaches, you know, depending on other results or whatever it is. So that was always sure the magic that- of Champions Cup round six. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If you delay kickoff, you kind of knew what you yeah. needed to do, or how many points <laughs> or tries you had to score. Um, so yeah, it's important to ha- have that information. I suppose maybe only the, the captain and the out half might have got that message just to 
that's why Harry probably kicked the ball yeah, out at off. the end. So, yeah. That would have come down from Neil Collins and get yeah, the ball off. I, so. I reckon the, like, the couple of the decision makers probably, or the more experienced <laughs> guys, probably would have had it in the back of their yeah. heads. The young guys are just chomping on the bit. The yeah. first caps, yeah. they want to yeah, go. Yeah. They're, they know they're not getting picked next week in the in the big games. So they're going, I want to do everything I can. I want to fight. I want to keep going. Yeah. And that's something that I think makes, makes Leinster so deadly is they bring their bench on. And actually it's happened at Ireland a bit when the bench comes on. They're all absolutely dying to get a start next week. Like mm. this is the first time. This is their only chance. Yeah. So they don't come on and go, oh, we've got our bonus point. We'll chill out. They come on and right. they like pump you and the tries keep coming. Yeah. And it did feel like the young guys were like that I personally thought it was like like you're Leinster you've gone to South Africa it's not easy to do the Stormers at the minute are second or third the third third. they're right there Mm. and you've nearly beaten them with that's not even the second team that's genuinely not to be disrespectful I saw that team last night and I'd say there was at least five players I'd never I didn't know them either but your Alex Soraka I've seen him like about maybe two three weeks ago playing for Clontarf in the AAL so um, like these were guys yeah he's fantastic and he's only obviously an Irish under 20 this year so he's had a great campaign so he's a good guy to watch yeah um, and obviously he's a fantastic guy his family are Ukrainian originally and he's I think raised 50,000 plus uh, with a for Children's Hospital for in children Ukraine. Hospital, yeah. yeah, so a big shout out to Alex. Um, great work and obviously our hearts go out to all the Ukrainian uh, families affected with this, you know, what's going on in the world, which is obviously yeah. heartbreaking. So uh, fair play to him. And if anyone can help out, obviously, and has a bit of spare change, donate. But uh, yeah, so he's a, a good young guy who, who went down and would take opportunity. So I'm sure he was like, don't kick yeah. the ball out. I he want another chance. He doesn't know what the next time he's getting a game. Absolutely. He's way, way back yeah. playing for Guntarf. Yeah. As I thought, it was like, as, and as I, if you're Leo, you go down there, whole group of new players, like your first team are at home, like doing lovely training, conditioning, training really hard, long weekends, just getting ready for this mm-hmm. um these Champions Cup game and you've gone down and you've secured top spot they didn't need to win yes winning's a, a habit and it's great but all you need to do in that top eight is be in it and then make sure you're as high up as possible because obviously your seating gets carried so now Leinster will not play a knockout game outside of Dublin so they're either going to play the whole way through in Dublin like, that's brilliant that's like kick the ball out and go home and get some <laughs> of your like more seasoned players that bit of rest and some players yeah. coming back like Frawley was back from injury <coughs> to get him some confidence and game time is huge so I mean what Stuart Lancaster and Leo are doing there and just moving the pieces around is a luxury whereas you know obviously we'll talk later in the show about Connacht and you know players moving but you know not every squad has that luxury of the depth yeah, and being um, able to do that Actually interesting question for you now like since the the competitions have changed over the past few years I think I'm right in saying there's eight knockout games if you're going to win both competitions. So you've, yeah. like, that is absurd. Yeah. Like, it's not long ago that, you know, you had three in Europe and then the league was whoever finished top. It's a lot of rugby. And actually, yeah. after Ulster went out, I thought this is a real positive for Ulster. One competition. So, like, what's it like at Munster now, knowing that, like, you, like you, every week, like, if you guys keep winning every week for the rest of the season, you're on it. Like, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's tough running into the season if you end up in both competitions. Um, you know, and even like the last league games are usually inter-pro derbies, which are obviously incredibly tough as well. So, you know, if you want to, to be winning trophies, it's an incredible ask and you need that squad depth as well because, you know, unfortunately there will be injuries and stuff. But, you know, they're all really tough games, those games. So it's, you know, it's, as you said, if it's eight knockout games you have to win, it's it's a tough ask. But, you know, lads enjoy that as well. You know, it's it's a great time of the season. If you're in knockout games, lads are buzzing and stuff. So it's... You know, it's an exciting time. Yeah. And does mindset change now going into this European Cup week or is it the same, just process? Just 80 minutes of rugby in the weekend? Yeah, just park the URC for, for two weeks and then, you know, just concentrate on Toulouse. And, you know, I think we just stick with what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, don't think much will change and, you know, hopefully we'll... Uh, like the vibe won't change, you won't be kind of no, nervous around the camp. No, like that. I would have found that before that, you know, on European Cup weeks, there was just kind of a bit of an intensity there when you come in the door on a Monday. But, like... The vibe inside now is it's a lot, you know, camera and stuff. It's real enjoyable in there, and you know, it's not too intense. So it's, you know, lads are looking forward to coming in for this week now, and it's, you know, it'll be a great buzz around the place. Yeah, because everyone's kind of speculating the last couple of weeks with all the chopping and change with the coaches, and Roundtree finally getting named as the head coach for next season. Leamy's coming in, which congratulations, you said that would happen, and you were right. I'm monster man. I'm yeah, monster man. Well I know what the monster people want. <laughs> uh, that was some shout out of you. And I said, <laughs> Do you know what monster need? They've got Roundtree. 
He, you know, he clearly gets Munster. I said this, he gets it. He's from a rugby town. I know Munster's not a town. I know enough about my geography of Ireland. But I just feel like he, Leicester and Munster are two clubs that, like you saw at the weekend, or if anyone didn't see, you should look it up. It's a great clip of Tom Young's um, getting leading out the team. He's retiring. Great story, Leicester legend. And we were chatting about um, Irish team playing at Welford Road last week. It's yeah. a great club. And I think there's a lot of similarities between mm. it and Munster. Uh, but I just felt like the current coaching ticket have done a great job. But I just feel like Munster's a place where there is such an advantage to the DNA of the club and the culture and the people and the way they play and the way they behave that I just thought it, it would be a big mistake for Roundtree to go and pick. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like go. The coaching like, staff's too exotic at the moment, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that every now and again. But I just, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exotic's gets, a great word. Yeah, like, it's a monster, fellas. <laughs> a monster blood who understand, like, you're coming from PBC. Who understands you came through the school system, 20s, all the way up. Like, Leamy's going to know exactly what he's about. He can relay that back to Roundtree. But what I was going to say is, you said the guys are really enjoying it at the moment inside Munster in the in UL. But people are speculating the last couple of weeks, like, oh, chopping and changing the coaches. They must be really all over the place, Munster inside. But what is the vibe like inside the last couple of weeks? Have you brought that brought closer together by all this outside external uh, speculation? Or how has it been? Yeah, to be honest, it's probably the first time that I've been in the club where like coaches have changed and you haven't really heard any whispers or names around the place. Um, you know, we we knew Johan was leaving the end of the season, but nothing's really changed from our side of things. And at least we've got a clarity now that, that Graham's coming in next year as uh, head coach. Um, but yeah, it's like there hasn't been much of a, you know, change inside from from our point of view or lads talking about who's going to be coming in or whatnot. So just concentrating on this season, I suppose, really. And what happens, happens. And one yeah. thing... I was unfortunate when I was playing that at Ulster it felt like every three years there was a flipping overhaul of coaches and coaches and coaches. And one thing, I'll be interested to get your take on this again, I don't think on the outside you realise how big it is, like a change of coaches in terms of how fickle it is. I think if you're a Joe Bluggs and you drink pints and go to the games, you think, oh, she is a better player than her or he is better than him. But it's in the end of the day, it's somebody has a style of play. Certain coaches have certain traits do you mm. mean so for actually the likes of yourself who's probably not playing as much rugby this year as you have in the past you'd like to like i remember being in that position and if you're currently holding the jersey and there's a new coach it's a bad thing but if you're not playing as much it's brilliant it's a new opportunity yeah 100 percent. you know like different coaches different side of play they might prefer a different type of you know nine or ten a kicking ten or running ten you know that varies from coach to coach and i think when Johan came in from razzi the, the style of play was pretty similar um so not much a change for us, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, next year if whoever comes in, if there is a different style of play or, you know, it might suit other players better than than some others. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I probably should have done a little bit more research before coming on, but who's going in as backs coach? Has that been named yet? Oh, it's big rumours. Yeah. He says he doesn't know. Go on, you named <laughs> the, the forwards coach. I broke it last week, Prendergast. Is this Prendergast? In, yeah. 100%. Well, I just made it up there now, so if you want to take my word for it. Uh, it's just come true. He's you know, non-existent you, yeah, Hold on, let me just check. Yeah. Well, you got Leamy right. It came out like two days after you said it. So friend of guys. names around. Do you know what I mean? Every now and again, you get it right. Yeah. He has this stirring pot there. Let me see. Let's add a bit more ingredients. And do you like the idea of having Irish guys in there? In the hey, I think stand? you need a balance. You know, like, like you said there, Graham, like Leicester, it was very similar culture and stuff to what Munster was when he came. So... You know, he's from a big rugby club, he, he understands it and, you know, sometimes you need someone like that from another club. Other times, you know, having local guys might work. Um, you know, when I came through, it was obviously, when you were there as well, it was all Munster lads that were coaching. Yeah. And sometimes you need, you know, a different set of eyes that seen something different from outside of that club to come in as well. So I think you need a bit of a balance, right, for sure. Yeah, I think Munster's going in the right way anyway. We do with the Dublin ladies. Um, I know they've tried to bring in ex-players back in as like psychology and Clean O'Connor would have been ex-goalkeeper. We played together, so she's now the S&C. So it's true when we discussed this about the younger fellas coming back in with really bringing that Munster culture. You can't buy that. You can't create all of a sudden this. But if you're raised on, on Munster rugby and know exactly, and I know Leinster tend to do it a bit, is try to get Leinster boys back in because half your job is done then because they know exactly what you know exactly. the culture is and the ethos and what's expected so mm. um, it'd be nice for a bit of continuity and to see Leamy back who's been part of it 
successful yeah. team. And it's great to see Johan leaving on a positive note as well. Minimum quarterfinal in both competitions. Like so, Munster in a great place after all the chat along the season. Couple of new signings as well. Please. Couple of new signings as well. Um, but will we move on to more stuff about Rory Scannell and we'll get back? Yes, into we will. Let's well, move we didn't on really. The, the old uh, Leinster fans won't be happy. They didn't get much of a look in. There we went from. We went from like <laughs> did they kick the ball? Did not Who cares? Yeah, like, honest, haven't heard of half the team. Okay, Leinster have unearthed another ten brilliant players. Yeah, we we're talked. There, we're, let's get on with it. We're where we need to be. Yeah, we don't need to talk. Leinster lost, so they don't want us to talk about it, I presume. Yeah. Reese Rodock had a great game. Alex Soroka was the biggest talking point. Reese Rodock went on a line break. Yeah. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you what, he had a bit of pace about him. I was like, cool, Reese. Yeah. He was going uphill, definitely, from where I was. <laughs> <laughs> and no one off his shoulder. They were yeah. like, oh, we'll catch known, him now. I was known from a pace, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, now we'll leave Leinster there. That's enough about them. We'll talk about them next week. Uh, so let's go on to Rory Scanlon and we'll leave the analysis away for a minute. Do you mind if we ask you a few questions? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll fire off at the first one. So, I believe you have 157 caps for Munster now. And if I did my research right, you're the first or the youngest player to reach 100 caps in the province, which is really cool. I remember coming in the academy, man. You were straight into the senior squad. You were playing every single week. I remember you played in that Axel game as well against mm-hmm. Glasgow. So, geez, you've been at it a while, man. Yeah, pushing on now, yeah. <laughs> you're pushing on now, yeah. Um, but mentioning all that, what has been your highlight in the Munster jersey to date? It could have been that Axel game you played in because you started at 12, but something else maybe? Um, yeah, that was a special, special occasion um, for sure. Uh, the Toulon quarterfinal, I think, as well. Um, you know, world-class Toulon side and, you know, we had a lot of our key players out injured and, you know, getting a win against a side of that, our quality side like that was was incredible. So that was definitely a good memory. Yeah. So you have, some good, you have a lot of memories in that jersey, to be fair. You play with your brother? Yep. Uh, Niall, so how competitive is it? And I know you have a cousin, Jack O'Sullivan, and your younger brother plays in France. He's Signed with Biarritz, but he's he's on loan, is he out? Yeah, he's on loan this year, yeah. So is it really competitive or the fact that he's played different positions? Um, I know Niall's front row and you're in the back. Yeah, we'd be quite competitive, right, uh, in everything. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it probably helps uh, that we're not in the same position for sure. I was going to say, I haven't seen him kick a ball. Uh, I don't know. He himself, does he? Uh, probably would, row. yeah. Played a, bit of, played a bit of football in his day, so <laughs> I'd say he would back himself. But... Uh, yeah, hopefully we don't see him kick a ball this season now. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think the young, younger fella, Billy's going to come back or what's the plan? Uh, he's unsure yet. Uh, he, he's really enjoyed France. You know, it's probably a good experience for him as well, moving over so young. But uh, yeah, he's not sure what he's doing yet for next season. But he's uh, he's really enjoyed it over there. So it's, uh, we'll see what happens. What position is Billy? He's a hooker as well, but there's good age gap there. So they're, <laughs> they're not competing too much. Oh, <laughs> and competitive between them? Uh, yeah, they will be. Uh, Niall would probably would he be offer the him most. a bit of. Yeah, he'd help him out quite a lot. Um, he was home now, right, last week, so doing a bit of trolling and yeah. whatever. So whatever they do. I want to ask about maybe a tough question to answer, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Um, I remember from now, again, just thinking back on the last plan and when Ulster, there was chat of them signing someone, or obviously for me, I remember they signed Jared Payne. How have you found it, like, being such a big part of, like, a really good Munster team? And then obviously you see someone the likes of Del Andy come in and, you know, for Munster, it's hard to blame them when you get a player at that level. But like, again, so it's from my opinion, like I was quite surprised that they went to the market again to replace him with another sort of, and, you know, you're probably past the stages of player where well, it might be the party line and you might say it and no harm did for sort of saying, oh, it's great to rub shoulders with these guys. Well, it must be frustrating as well. Yeah, well, obviously, as you, you want to play every week, pretty much. And, you know, I haven't played as much as I've had in previous seasons. Um, with, but, you know, I'm, every time I get a chance, I want to, want to show what I'm about for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, you need quality players to win these trophies now as well. And, like, Damien's been in class for us since he came in. Um, and, you know, you've Chrissy there as well, who's been unbelievable for us for the last number of years since he came. So it's, and there's guys then, you know, Dan Goggin, Liam Coombs, these guys behind, um, you know, that are that are chomping at the bit as well. So it's, you know, it's good competitiveness in the squad and, you know, everyone wants to be playing every week and, you know, I'm the same. So, um, yeah, it's been, you know, not playing as much as was probably a change for me and, you know, something at the time you, you probably took for granted. But, um, you know, now it gives you a bit more competitiveness, I suppose, when you get a chance. 
Yeah, well, I, I kind of say it every week. I just don't see why they're going to sign in these Fekitoas and the guy coming in from Bristol as well, some French guy, I can't remember his name, excuse excuse my ignorance. Excuse, but, the, excuse the professionals. Yeah, uh, but I just think there's no need. Like, you know, you're sitting there with over 150 caps, as you said, Dan Gog and all the, other, all the rest are there. Why not play these Irish guys, like, you know, and get them back into an Irish jersey? Because I presume your goal is to still play for Ireland and before you go away and make a bag of money over France. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, uh, you know yourself, KV, like, it's the centre is an incredibly competitive position in the country at the moment. You know, there was when I was in the Irish squad, you know, it felt at times I was in good form, but you know, you're just looking at the guys there, you're like, I just can't get in. And sometimes you kind of have to look and just take that on the chin, you're going to give it everything. But you know, sometimes it's about timing as well. And you know, unfortunately, there's five or six really, really good centres in the country um, at the same time that I've been here. So it's you know, it's it's obviously tough to get in there, but uh. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the aim, I suppose, to keep pushing. It's, yeah. wild. it's actually wild at the minute. Well, Ireland, it's the same mm. in all positions, but if you look, think of the centres, right. like, it's just like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like the way you said it, like it wasn't as competitive as that when I was there. <laughs> yeah. There was a couple of good lads playing for O'Driscoll. Oh, um, oh, oh, uh, <laughs> right. And then he had another wee mate. I don't that, think he really made much of it. I didn't rate him, right, but yeah. Declan Kinney loved him. Listen, we'll save it for another episode. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. But that's still the goal for now is get back into the Irish yeah, jersey. Pushing, yeah, Yeah, you wouldn't follow sure. Billy over to Brits just yet. No, not yet, no. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> no, I love to hear it. Um, and you play 10 a good bit as well. You play 10 a lot when you first broke into the senior team. Do you still train at 10 or is that you're just centre now? Um, yeah, like, you know, over the last couple of seasons, you know, Joe had a few injuries and, you know, when Tyler was there, we were probably short to bit of 10. And, you know, I've we've kind of gone with that 6-2 split in the bench a few times where... I've been covering that. Um, yeah, I've played there in a while now, but it's yeah, I would train there a bit. Um, you know, if you wear it in there, I'm happy to step in there as well. So it's yeah. you know a position that I grew up playing until I kind of came into the academy, really. Yeah. So um, yeah, I really enjoy playing there. Yeah, well, I say the, the lads love having you at twelve because you can t- jump into that ten role and sort it out. Because like obviously Ben Healy's only up and coming, you have Jack Crowley up and coming, so to have so much of your experience on the outside is is great. And I thought you and Chris did very well on the weekend. So who knows selection for next week? Like who's going to be in the Should centre? Playmakers, yeah. yeah, we'll see. For any of our listeners who don't know, you your family is steeped in history, and your grandfather would have captained Cork to an All Ireland back in the nineteen fifties. Probably the last time Cork won a football All Ireland, but we Ooh. move on quickly. Oh. Not what are you Shots fired! Shots fired! No, um, have was it ever a dream of yours playing uh, growing up to play for Cork? Or did you play? Uh, for yeah, I played a lot of the hurling football with Douglas. Um, you know, and you kind of get. I played soccer, rugby as well, obviously. But when you get to that age. Uh, kind of, was, I think it was about 16, 17 and you know you start getting selected for for monster underage sides. You I kind of had to make a decision then, um, you know, to stick with the rugby. And you know, I really enjoyed playing hurling football as well. But yeah, I went down the rugby route. Um, I don't know if the grandfather would be too impressed. But uh, <laughs> well, there's yeah. probably lots of rugby left here. But you know, it's maybe still an option on retirement. You yeah. could always go back. No, there. Rob, Rob Kearney went back playing. I saw. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Never heard. Never know. Never heard of this place. Don't read his left peg like a right yours, mate. <laughs> we have a question in from social. It's from um, at uh, Greg O'Shea, <laughs> uh, and it says, apart from me, um, who's been the most influential person in your rugby career? If you could put it down. To one person that can be families, a coach, player. Uh, I won't put it to one person. The parents have been, I have to say, incredibly supportive. Go to all our games, go to all the away games. Drove us everywhere when we were younger, from hurling training up to rugby training on a Saturday morning. I can't imagine their weekends are too enjoyable. But <laughs> and I, oh, yeah, they've been a big person. That's a, what are you, Gina? 28. It, it, that's like a mid 20s realization. It's like, you know, that <laughs> I you're didn't like, think about uh, it at the time. Your parents <laughs> that they are, their sole existence was not us. to make sure you played rugby. Yeah. But it only hits you in like mid 20s. Have you got it yet? <laughs> just nah. about, yeah. Nah, you're <laughs> like, you just had a dare, I yeah, think. Just yeah. is <laughs> gone. Oh my goodness. He was driving me around to go, but actually, fairness, my father. But um, no, what about players? Most influential player you've ever played with? Tyler Blaindale came to my head for you because you were so close to him. Yeah, I played with Tyler a lot. Um, he had a great rugby brain, you know, a lot of the, the Kiwi lads that come over do. So, yeah, I learned a lot from him. But um, I'd probably say Earl Z, I'm very close to him. Uh, you know, a lot of you know he's quiet, but 
get on well with him. He's been incredibly successful with Ireland and Munster over the years. And, you know, I've definitely, definitely learned a lot from him, for sure. Yeah, he's a good one. He got, a, he got a big shout out last week, didn't he? He did. We won't do it again. <laughs> Let's go, uh, go back through it again. No, we love Erzy. We love Erzy. Um, all right, Scans, thanks very much for that. We'll be moved back into the rugby. Talk about Connacht. We didn't have a great second half, so they were oh down. My, oh my, Connacht. I know, we love Connacht, but they lost 41-21 to, to Sharks, and they were 21-10 up at halftime, I believe. So it was a poor second half. What, you've been down in South Africa already. Is it just a different beast, like the conditions down there? Yeah, we played in Pretoria and Johannesburg, and it was quite hot, uh, you know, high 20s, low 30s, and at altitude as well, which we're obviously not used to. So it's... Uh, yeah, I did find the last kind of like 20 minutes of those games, you could see boys were blowing and, you know, that's where the South African teams have that advantage, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, it, it is quite tough over there to play in conditions and, you know, we had two close uh, losses over there. But, um, yeah, you know, you can definitely see it there. They're winning a lot at home now the last couple of weeks and that's why they're up the top of the table and they're, you know, they're going well at home. Yeah, exactly. The two South African teams in third and fourth, but Connacht were trying to become the first team to win both games on South Africa this season, which is mm. mad, isn't it? Yeah, I thought a couple good. more teams. Ulster got a window in there, did they? Ulster. No. Ulster ended up losing both of them. Yeah, both they lost both. Remember they were, yeah. Lost both, yeah. Munster, Ulster and Leinster all lost both games. Ulster Connacht shouldn't have lost because remember they had the try disallowed. Yeah, which they there you go. That was the one. Yeah, so let's talk about that again. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, they got an apology. Uh, well, that's fucking. Okay, well, that's brilliant yeah. when you're mm-hmm. when you're away to Leinster in the quarterfinal. Yeah. <laughs> at least you have, when you're getting when you're fifty points down at the RDS after twelve minutes. Oh, <laughs> at yeah. least you got it your was apology. A it was <laughs> yeah, so it's just obviously a different beast down there in South Africa this season. Um, What's the physicality like? Because that's I think one thing I noticed from the game with Connacht. Like, yeah, they capitulated and they you know shipped thirty points, which you shouldn't do, but they were bullied. <laughs> it was kind what of pick it? and cold tries and just overpowered. Like, yeah. You know, when we played the Bulls, they did a huge pack as well. Um, it, it was an incredibly physical game. And, you know, the South African sides tend to be quite big and use that to their advantage, obviously. You know, a lot of them tend to be quite big. Yeah, nice way huge. to put it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's seen RJ Snyman walk around, <laughs> that would be how we describe These guys it. are vending machines. Like, yeah. <laughs> dark very quick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Scans, go on. No, very physical, like, for sure. Um, it's uh, you know they use their set piece quite well. They're they're mall, you know they scored a few mall tries last night and it, yeah they do tend to be the more physical games of the year definitely. Yeah, I think Connacht struggled a little bit. They did. Yeah. It doesn't like Connacht though to be like I think of Connacht and like it was up the guts, wasn't it? You just sort of say, I always think with Connacht and maybe again this is the evolution of them from the you know the ugly wee brother who's actually nowhere near as good as the other provinces into a team that have won silverware more recently than Ulster and Munster but the one thing I always thought with Connacht was like if you're going to beat them like you're not going to beat them up do you know what I mean you're not just going to pick and go through the middle of them no when Leinster played in sports round a couple of weeks ago like Connacht were dogged they slowed the game down they attacked the breakdown and only eventually did Leinster pull away and I think it's kind of the inconsistency of Connacht isn't it really they're struggling to find their identity and they it probably shows as well the depth of their squad, so they can't nearly pick the team to manage different oppositions. Um, and I think, obviously, with the likes of Peter Dooley, Hawkshaw, and Adam Byrne, hopefully it'll give them depth. They won't lose as many players then when it goes to Ireland, because that was a big, obviously, turning point for them. Um, Miss and Hansen and Bundy when they come back off Ireland, Judy. So I think yeah. the depth might help them, and then they can maybe adapt their playing style. Depending need, on and and their defence has been poor. Like they ship. Very poor. They ship like I Five. think they're averaging, you know, thirty something points conceded a game, yeah. and it actually I think a lot of it's discipline. They give away a lot of penalties. They've had a lot of cards. Um, so for them, yeah, I love I love Connell as well. I just would like the they flattered to deceive this year. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. They need to get a line in the sand, come back stronger next year. But not the worst trip to South Africa. In the end of the day, there's a lot of teams that are going to ship. Yeah, exactly. uh, they're going to lose by twenty points. And they, they got a win down there as well, which other teams no weren't able to do. Yeah. So that's impressive. And you just can't be shipping four second half tries like you know down yeah. there. But so they sit in twelfth now in the standings. Sharks have guaranteed themselves a f- uh, final place in the top eight with that bonus point win. And a shout out to Caelan Blade with 150 caps. And he got a lovely and try. He got a great try. He got a lovely try. Yeah. He did. He it was sneaky. The front row. <laughs> it was really? sneaky, but he gave it like. He was one-on-one 
and he kind of half stumbled as if so he did the, play it to him early and then get the ball back do you know what I mean yeah. if he had a run on it would have been Finley Bame cornrows everywhere underneath the posts yeah. so he did the sneaky <laughs> one he offload early and then get it back Yeah. So, oh, very sneaky but deserved it was 150 it let him well. it was it was class it was class and we, should we talk about your beloved Ulster oh what a dreadful game of rugby <laughs> <laughs> it was Facts. but tell me, tell me this how many rugby games a weekend would you watch? So, so you guys played on Friday, which is great for the social calendar. Um, <laughs> but then like you have the whole weekend and like Greg comes in here and it's like, oh yeah, I watched that, I watched that. It is nonsense. Like YouTube. <laughs> How many games? Like oh, I might watch two maybe if I had a Friday game. But there's a lot of rugby on, isn't there? Oh, yeah. How many, how many games do you watch a weekend? This weekend I probably watch two. I watch the England, so France and the Ireland one. It's tough, and then on here. I watched a bit of Sorry, I did. That's a lie. I watched a bit of the monster because I was over my parents and my dad had it on, so I watched a bit of monster. What's yeah. your point, anyway, Darren? The point was, um, I can't remember. No, the point was, <laughs> Ulster's just. It was a lot of rugby on this weekend, and by the time I got to that, and I watched the game. Yeah, but I actually found it was on my phone for a lot because it was so boring, yeah. but a great result. <laughs> so boring. It was a dreadful match. I'm not sure you, you got the win though away in Edinburgh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, it was like the weather came in, and like I'm just telling you this because obviously you didn't see it. Um, it wasn't a lot of tries, but Edinburgh, <laughs> like Edinburgh had like three. When I say try scoring opportunities, I mean like completely butchered in the first 10 minutes and they butchered all three of them and then Ulster from there John it reminded me of Munster at the Kingspan the week before they just didn't really play well they just sort of smothered the other team and just did enough but it's a great result they're the first team to win there um, this season and it was a huge win because Ulster were I don't think there's concerns about getting in the top eight but home advantage is big mm-hmm. and we spoke about it with Leinster finishing top. That's all they needed to do. Because say you finish, you get in the top eight, uh, you're, like, you're away from home. Mm. So even if you finish like third or fourth, you win your quarterfinal, but then you're away from home in the semi. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You want to get as far as possible with home advantage. So, so Ulster, I think... You I think said, the wheels are coming off the wagon towards the end of the season for Ulster? I said last week, it was like halftime in the Toulouse game. It was like, it's, we're on for the double. Yeah. <laughs> and six days later, it was like, oh my goodness, yeah, we're away. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's all right. I win away to Edinburgh. Like, that's a good result. Decent, that's a real good result. Edinburgh were disciplined. Like, Doak put a nice couple of penalties over. They scored tries and they needed it. Like, it yeah. wasn't. You don't always have to win pretty. No, it's a sign of a good team. They yeah. won ugly. They got the four points and you know now they'll just be trying to finish in that top four. Because the other thing is with those South African teams lurking about. I mean, Stay away from them. Yeah, well, and if you're going to play them, play them at home. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? You just said it, Connacht, the mighty Connacht. And is it Edinburgh? Only two teams to win down there. Um, so nobody wants to be, yeah. you know, say something same you know fixture results went against Munster and you ended up with South African teams in two mm. three and four like you're not really going to want to be in eight seven or six do you know what I mean nope. yeah they had some good performances though uh, individually Nick Timney made 28 tackles and missed zero which is an incredible stat that's up there with Hamish Watson stats and then Alan O'Connor man he's just week in week out playing well that's not ever going to get up to the Irish <laughs> squad what's going on up there with him do you know what he's a like he is like a cult legend up uh, in Ulster. Like all the players absolutely love him. Um, do you know what? He's just one of those guys who I think, uh, like rugby, so much about it. It's not everything, but so much, particularly in the front five, is about being absolutely massive. And for a, a, an international front five player, like he's just not big enough. He's just not a vending machine. Do you mean he's a big guy? Like if he walked in here, you know he's a big lad. But the second international second rows are not big lads; they're freaking huge. Yeah. Um. But like. And they can play back row nowadays. Really. He's. he's you're kind of playing with yeah. Your back five being nearly all back row forwards. Yeah. Aren't they? Dynamic. He's, yeah. he's so well respected within the group. Like he's captained also a number of times. He's absolutely hard as nails. Like yeah. seriously hard. Um. And he's very, very popular. So he's a guy who um, I was surprised he was actually on the bench, although Treadwell's been doing well. But anyway. But he got a yellow and so did Timothy as well. Didn't put a little yeah. bit of pressure on his own. Yeah, there was a bit of... Um, Cynical play now, to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was, it was a bit harsh. Because actually, Marnie Packer, I don't know if any of you have seen the women's game, like England did it so well. She was just on the cusp of waiting. Like if the referee was hot on it, they, they wouldn't. But herself and Poppy Cleal are so cynical around the breakdown when France were about five metres. I was like... I hate you because you're getting away with it, but I have to admire you at the same time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's just that fine line depending on referees. Some some rugby players are just really, really good at cheating. 
Oh, no, well, she is one of them. And I was like, yeah. you, ch- you teach me your dark arts. Yeah. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. In my well, opinion, absolutely. live life on the edge. Remember Richard McCall, best player ever. He was cheating all the time. He just kept getting away with it. That's it. Yeah. Well, not, not, that O'Connor, not that Alan O'Connor is a cheater. No, we're not no, calling anyone cheaters no. here. No. We're saying they just care. Um, all right, we're moving on with some other roundup results of the URC. So Bulls won at home 29-17 to Glasgow. Um, who else do we have? We had Lions beat Benetton 37-29. Zebra got their first win in 27 games to stop. <laughs> That's a crazy losing streak. Serious? They, they won 23-18 at home to Dragons. Is that like, Lions, you know, like, I'm um, going to give them a clap for right now because yeah. Italian rugby, Italian rugby take I, about. I remember at Zebra, it's still like when you go there, they have like a... Um, I'm going to call it a wall of shame. They basically have a wall, which is every <laughs> every game they've won. won. Uh, no now at this stage, uh, obviously not a lad like me, because when I when the Times teams first joined, did you play when it was Aroni? So no. There was a, the team in Parma were called Aroni, or mm. it, wasn't, it was near Parma. And then Zebra were born brand new, and they had a new stadium, and obviously they were brand new. So they're like, it's not like... They hadn't won a lot of games, do you know? Yeah. So they had a wall. I think it was on the tunnel. Did you have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few pictures. The Ulster there, yeah. on it. Yeah, I'm on it. Oh. I'm on it. I love a wall of fame. So you just want to drop in the wall of fame because yeah. to say your mush is on. Yeah, yeah, the mush isn't on it. It was before the midlife crisis. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they haven't won a lot of rugby. It's on the wall in evidence. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in the trenches, guys. What's it like going down to Zebra? How do you see that? Is it just an easy win and get out of there, or are they still competitive? No, they're competitive, yeah. It's, they're incredibly physical, so like if you give them an in at the start of the game, they, they'll stick with you. Um, so yeah, you kind of you kind have to be prepared for that as well. Like we've gone over there a few times and it's got away with four points just. So like it's, it's, it, it is a tough place to go and win as well at the same time, even though you see some results and you're like, oh, yeah, this will be handy, but it's, de- it's definitely not handy. Are Munster on the wall? <laughs> Might have been the Aroni days. Maybe. I don't think once they've lost down there. I don't know. They came close one time losing. Yeah, I don't think I've. Not, since not I've been there. I'm not there. You haven't, you haven't made it. <laughs> you haven't made it. <laughs> you're not on the wall again. They're very. I remember them being like um, very disrupting, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Like you go down there and it's and they just make they just throw out the kamikaze mm. stuff yeah. and try and make it an absolute mess. And then yeah. somehow beat you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just one of them teams, I'd say. You think it's easy, you know. It's just going to be a formality and they just frustrate you. And they force you into, like, between your mindset and just them being so dogged, you're just forced into these crazy errors. Yeah. That, I'm still, I'm actually surprised. 27 games. That's mad, man. That's a lot well, of numbers. Well, your conduct a couple of weeks ago only scraped by them, did they not? Just about, Just think, about, like, they've been very close. Still but 27 no games. That's only a full season, is it? Mm-hmm. Times must have been good. Yeah. Morale, morale high. <laughs> they cracked a few bottles of vino last night, I'd say. <laughs> say Another did. result, Ospreys scored 54 points to beat Scarlet's 36 uh, with their 36 points. And George North made his return. That lad is still playing rugby. Fair play to him. Sure, he yeah. captain. He was about 15. <laughs> yeah, well, true. Yeah, He's probably not even that old. Like, he's, been playing for so <laughs> long. he's actually only about 25. He's not younger than me. I'm only joking. I don't, I, don't actually, I don't think he's that old. No, maybe 32. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but good to see him back playing. And another person I actually saw back playing was uh, Frog Splash, Chris Ashton. Man, that guy's Frog been playing Black. for so long. Now he oh is about God. 54. <laughs> he got a hat trick as well. Yeah. So he's still playing. Three. Yeah. He's still an absolute beast, man. I couldn't believe you. I put him in there. This is really bad. Actually, if he listens, I feel, it's, I feel bad saying Apparently this. Apparently, he is I, a really big listener. Is he, yeah. He loves the RC. I'll see him. I put him in the same kind of category as like Mark Quaido, that kind of age group. That could be ages in gap, is it? I'd say Mark Quaido is like mid-40s. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, oh, Chris. Oh, God, Ashton. I don't think Chris... Yeah. <laughs> I'd say If there's any complaints six. that anyone wants to put in about Greg with eight, being ageist... I know. I have been <laughs> there, just now, yeah. a, it's a lot of tries. Was it ninety-three tries? Ninety-two tries he has. That's a lot in the prem. In the Premiership, oh, without what well, England. Yeah. Only he's an incredible player. Like, I'm not taking that away from him. I just I haven't know. seen him around in a while. Yeah, um, so still at the top of the game, and then the big fixture that we really wanted to get onto is Ireland v Scotland women's game. Great win, Lindsay. Take it away. Thankfully, we avoided the wooden spoon. We finished fourth, and it was an unbelievable win. Like my nerves are not settled since last night because. The girls left it till the 83rd minute to score, but Anya Breen stepped up, scored the try, and then Nerves of Steel to put over the conversion. But uh, Ireland did what they needed. They kept the ball. Uh, the bench came off, made an impact. Um, it, we knew it would be close with Scotland. You know, Scotland hadn't won a game. They were a dangerous animal. Um, 
but yeah, the girls just went through their phases and took their moments. And Scottish defence was unbelievable, but yeah, thankfully we just got over the line. It was and brilliant. Did, did Ireland go into that game as favourites? Expected to be Scotland, or is that a big win? I think it's a big win considering the the nature of the tournament for us. It was you know a brand new coaching squad. We had a lot of retirees, um, including myself. Everyone's like, <laughs> Get, please leave. Um, and I think it's just a new era. Like we had started our, you know, new cycle early, whereas everyone else going to the World Cup. So, um, yes, I think for us to finish bottom, it would have been the worst finish since 2004. No yeah, way. That's the last time Ireland got the wooden spoon and finished. Wow. For rock bottom. So for Scotland, you know, considering they're going to a World Cup, they're in an L tough. I think they're in with New Zealand, Australia. Uh, and Japan if I'm not mistaken that pool so it's a tough out pool and are Scotland like Ireland with no professionals or are they semi they're kind of supported is is the term but it's a great word um, it's yeah. a great word isn't it yeah it's kind of cloak and dagger what are they yeah um, they actually 12 out of their 15 starting last night playing the Tyrrells Premiership so they played a very high level um, I'd say they're paid by a lot of those clubs if not match fees I'd say that on some level they're paid um, so now it's What's important for us now is this tournament was always just going to unveil what the gap is between us and the likes of France and England mm. and how we're going to use now the implementation plan and the changes going forward to kind of facilitate our grassroots, our our national team and kind of merge it all together to make a successful programme. The thing so, that kind of like, I say worries me, this is actually a question, yeah, of course. Um, is the gap is at the minute is probably getting bigger? Huge. 6-9-0 we lost. But... It's not being closed because I'm no. looking at it and going, in Ireland, there's a few things going on, as we know. And again, I never played uh, in the women's game, so I don't know what it's like right in that. But there seems to be, there's paying people to play, which is important. Yeah. But there's also like the pathway. We spoke about it slightly yeah. before. So paying people to play, that helps you week to week because you don't have to work and you can Absolutely. train for the game. But doesn't fully solve the problem in no. that you cannot... <clears throat> take somebody from basketball aged 18 pay them and then expect them to be able to scrum against England yeah like I came to rugby at 35 and to even go into the scrum and realise how technical it was like my first season like my debut was like what the hell am I doing like I was well I came in as flanker for the world class Claire Malloy I was asking Mary Healy what, what am I doing at the time thankfully I wasn't in the scrum then I started 2016 Six Nations and I'd say they were like, what? who the hell are they at? Like, they're getting this one from a circus or something like, what is she doing here? Like, so we're all kind of, there's very few. Now, Enya's a different kettle of fish. She would have played with um, Carrick Lyons, Gibb and Bantry, if I'm not mistaken. So she's come from an underage, she would have played with the boys. Um, so she's a lot more depth to her game and you can see that in her. Like her tackle tech, her foundations are there and she's an unbelievable person on top of being an exceptional rugby player. So, any of them that we've seen come, Neve Jones has been playing since underage Ulster. Would have been, uh, I think she's with Cook, was she mm -hmm. with Cook, I think. Um, so you can see the difference in her. She's been absolutely standout uh, performer yeah. for Ireland. So we can see the difference. But I think, yeah, the framework is hugely different. Um, like we don't have skills. We don't have women or girls in rugby tots. Um, so we've no pathway to bring us up. We've no kind of semi-professional skill system where you have yeah. S&C. But is that not the scary thing? Because you can actually, is. you actually can find money. They say they can, but they can find money. They could, or if you could issue 20 professional contracts tomorrow. Like these contracts are not... But that, it's and not that, going to sort of first though, is it? That's the question. How no. do you, but it takes 10 or 15 years to change culture and habits. Mm -hmm. And as you say, like you see it in, I think I was commentating on the 20s and you notice it in particular, um, the players that went to school in those big Dublin schools, yeah. age 18, they are like professionals already. But sure, so I say like um, I won't name any skills because it's unfair. But I, I know some skills will be like, well, how many contracts are we going to get from Leinster? With you know our senior skills cup, like they'd obviously have a target, you know. Whereas we don't have rugby. And the other thing for 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 the female side of things is a lot of parents don't want their daughters playing a, mm. in a traditional sport. But it's we need them in early because when your tackle tech is is good and you know it's solidified and the foundations are there, most of them we don't have to think, so it's less injuries. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we need to train our girls early. We need to get uh, you know all players exposed, regardless of, the, of their gender. And it's not about money. It's like the RFU merged with the RFWU back in 2014, as far as I know. 
you had to apply, all the clubs in the Terriers Premiership had to apply with a plan and how they were going to facilitate the players and buy in. So they actually had to take it seriously and have this master plan of how their SNC, their high performance, who their coaches are going to be. So you had to make an application yeah. and, and you had to be approved. But where, so, do, where does Ireland even start? But see, we were talking, I know you, uh, during the week there was an article from, you know, a women's URC, but I don't think we have the pool of players to even do no. that. We'd nearly have to have our Irish team as a club team and be playing then in a, in a competition. But again, that doesn't facilitate the development of our players in our, in our own domestic league. Yep. So we kind of need to start looking like how the Premiership is working, but how is it going to work for Ireland? Mm. Um, and right now we don't have the player pool. We probably don't have the money. They're not running under a high performance network. Um, I think URC is too big of a jump. I think huge. Yeah, it's too big of a jump. First clubs, even making the, the women's monster conduct, all the provinces, get them playing each other, going over to play the prem teams. Back yeah, and, that's just, what I think. Yeah. Just get over and just having games all the time. Well, was there an interprovincial yeah. recently, excuse my ignorance, where some of or all of the international players weren't yeah, we were released? No, because we were getting ready for the World Cup qualifiers. I'm, I'm like looking at these like huge independent reports that probably costs a lot of money. And I'm going, well, like, I could tell you that if you're not playing like a really high standard of rugby regularly, you're not going to be able to go and beat England. Like, it doesn't take a report. Yeah. It seems a very strange thing for everyone to sit down and go, here's a cracking idea, right? Have an interprovincial, mm-hmm. but make sure the best players aren't playing. But sure, I, and that's what I mean. I it's only mad. three to is five it? games. It's not even a season. Yeah. And this is the thing, if you take, say, England, right, they had uh, a month pre-season where they went into Bishop Abbey or St. George's. They don't have a central... So they go in Monday to Friday. They play under high pressurized. They call it PDP. So it's these, you know, posi- position specific, um, high intensity. So it's full scrums, full lineouts under time constraints. So you're all pressurized situations, and um, so it's all regimented as to what they'll have in a game scenario. And then when they're that's done, they're released back to their clubs. They might go in front of their autumn internationals Monday to Wednesday, back with their club for captain's run Thursday, day off Friday, play with their club Saturday day off Sunday back with England yeah. so that's the professional setup but everything goes back to the club all the rest and see is under there like it's just yeah. it does work for them I'm not saying it's going to work for Ireland but contracts and a knee-jerk reaction now and throwing money no one's saying about money necessarily but yeah. like losing to England 69-0 a lot of the girls went back to work Monday you're morally broken yeah. say, physically broken say, they need more money to start paying the girls make them se- at least semi-pro well look pro, at the, the quickly with Wales like even yeah. their fitness their physique has changed yeah, but my thing is like these girls are after going away getting a Six Nations win unreal okay class that's unreal. and then they just go back to their jobs on a Monday like it's like you need to keep these girls playing rugby stay on top of it, keep that buzz going but one thing I want to ask you about because we could talk about just all of day course, is the sevens players, right? Yep. I'm a sevens player, so I have a lot, I have a lot big passion for it. And they played a lot of the first Six Nations games. Yep. Then they just took out like five or six starters from the Six Nations team, sent them over to Langford, and they're playing in Langford now in, in Canada, playing really well. They're into yeah, the Cup, Cup quarter final against USA today, actually, in a couple mm-hmm. of hours. But that's mad. Just take away half the team, go play sevens, and then bring in a group of other girls. What's that about, like? I don't know, and like, not to undermine Langford, but I don't think there was anything like what. Well, you know, obviously we want to play Sevens Rugby and there's a World Cup year and it's hugely important. So, like, this is a big year for the Sevens programme. So yeah. that's totally understandable. Um, You're just using or using the same players. Absolutely. For both. Like, like, England England have their Sevens and they have yeah. their 15s. And especially this year, they were like, you know, if your contract is 15, same with Emily Scarlett, she would have been a Sevens and then she wanted to concentrate in 15s. I mean, she got her 100 cap last week. Yeah. Um, You know, I can't see them being beaten for the World Cup. So she's now a contract of 15s players, but they don't cross over. English sevens are sevens and English fifteens are fifteens. Yeah. The same with the black ferns. There's very few. They might it's integrate like the in. I was just in the sevens, fifteens, completely separate. You don't have lads jumping back and across because they're different sports. Different sports, man. At the top level, they're completely different sports. Gans, you never played sevens because you you broke into senior squad early. But like, what 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 do you make of it all? Do you think the women should be professional, or do you have an opinion on it? Yeah, like it's something needs to change for sure. Um, you like you could, as you said, we could chat about it all day, but. Yeah, it's like like you said, you can't be crossing over to different sports. Like for when you started with the sevens, it was a pathway for fifteens, and then you know yeah. all of a sudden you might all right, you're back in with the club now, and then you're concentrating on fifteens. But you're like some 15s, lads yeah. stay with the sevens and enjoy playing sevens. But yeah, I don't think you can have them crossing over and back. Like yeah, but like as a, like a, as a, as a current like senior uh, men's player in Ireland getting paid, you're getting you all have decent wages. Like you, like you'd be happy to, for the women to get the same pay and just be playing away yeah, as much as you are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think it's something like, because um, I know the Leinster set up and Leinster were very good to us in Interpros, but they only have us for a certain amount, you know. Um, 
But if we could use the gym, even the 20s gym, which is, I think it's the Ken Owens, is it down in, in um, Energia? Um, because even our exposure to SNC and, you know, which is injury prevention, plus it takes a minimum of three years probably for the girls to get up to speed with just their fundamentals and actually lifting right and then reaping the rewards of that. Like it's, people don't actually have a concept of how long it takes. Like even if we do this right, we're probably not going to reap the rewards realistically for two to three years. And how far are England and France to be ahead the, then? And that's the point that, and that's what's so interesting about the men's game. Not to go back to it, is a lot of these kids in Dublin in particular, not to be uh, areaist in that's Ireland, right. um, they start, they are starting that journey at 13. Mm -hmm. Therefore, do you know, I just, just said he picked his at 17, you know, to pick your sport that you wanted. Like yeah. you're over 10 years now in a professional setup. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that just worries me, I think we take for granted how big a job it has been to get the men's game to where it is. Like professionalism, it's quite a new concept. You're basically saying kissing goodbye to the AL. You're new, the provinces are old, but you're buying into it. And the professional game in Ireland in with the men's game has been an enormous success. Yeah. Like phenomenal. If you look around the world, <clears throat> New Zealand is probably the only other country that can say professional rugby has been that successful. You have clubs, four teams, they're not privately owned. They're producing an absurd amount of players. But it's a, it was a, it's a huge journey to get to the stage now whereby Leinster have professionals coming at 18. And listen, I, I talk about Leinster, but Connacht, Munster and Ulster aren't that far behind. No. But it just, it's just, that's what worries me about it. Um, on a positive note, I think the sponsorship for the Six Nations is TikTok unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Not only the money, because it does make the world go round, yeah. and there is chicken and egg, uh, but to to give that exposure to the game at that target. I mean, it's the yeah. best. Now, the extra content, and who are the people that are using TikTok except you, Greg? <laughs> like, young teenage, the exact people you yeah. want playing rugby. I was commentating on the big game at the weekend, um, Wales against Italy, in the women's Six Nations. You got a cracker. But even looking on TV, it looked... Unbelievable, didn't it? Yeah, it looked great. The branding was on yeah. the pitch. Uh, the anthems and like fireworks teams coming out, like the crowd, it just looked... In particular, the um, couple of the England games, those crowds... I was at well for really, last really week. good for the game. Yeah, the England, England game was amazing. Even, even yeah. as... Yeah. Even as um, you know, the way the TV deals are done now, um, I still think they've work to do in the scheduling because, albeit it's good to step out of the men's shadow, yeah. I look at the game in, on Saturday night and I'm like, it was the kicked off at the same time as the Ulster game in a different location, but how many people in Belfast? Yeah. I didn't see the women's game last night because I was watching Ulster. Of course. So it's just something to keep an eye on. But that's kind of the positive note that I think we should kind of... Yeah. Um, I'm hosting now, Greg. No, um, no, 100%. That's kind of, I feel like we should finish on a positive <laughs> that it's not a wee slap, patronising slap on no, the bum, but we, it is like, it is really good. We yeah. we crashed the record in, in RDS in the first round. We, it was over 6,100. Uh, I think it was over 5,000 in Musgrave. And then I think it was... We had sold 7,000 last night. I'm not sure it was 7,000 there considering the weather and obviously the Ulster match. Um, but it was just records all around. Like, And actually, I think Scrum Queens did a kind of synopsis of the overall and it beat a lot of the Premiership viewing with some of the overall women's games. So it's huge. I think the window's huge. It's going to stick to that next year um, that's being confirmed. We've the new Global 15s calendar, which will be huge and hopefully give another more exposure in the autumn side of things. Um, so you've now two pinnacle windows where like women's rugby can just be standalone and be viewed and bought into. And like you said, TikTok are huge. How much exposure can you, you know, could you ask for? So, yeah, it's massive. look, it's been a, a hugely positive all around and, and hopefully things will only go upwards. Definitely. It's going in the right direction. Um, so let's move on to finish up with some rugby news. England beat France and secured the Grand Slam and four successive crown in women's Six Nations. They're, those two teams are just dominating Six Nations. Actually, England just missed out on a perfect Grand Slam if they had got a bonus point yesterday. And they knocked a record they set up in 2019 by scoring 282 points, I think, which was 20 more. They only had to beat it by 20 more, which they did yesterday. So, yeah, they, they knocked that out. Like, they're just knocking. Incredible stuff. We also need to give a shout out to someone I'm sure you played loads with, Annika Police, retired from Irish Women's Rugby. Can I just take a moment because um, I just really want to say thank you to Anna. I think she's had a fantastic career. She's a fantastic person. And I know that decision didn't come easy. She's a fellow Cork woman um, who lives, breathes, eats Cork, Munster rugby, Ireland rugby. And I uh, just want to congratulate her on an amazing career. So thanks for the shout out. She'll appreciate that. But yeah. Anna, we love you. Congratulations and enjoy your retirement. Yeah. Anna is great. Actually, funny enough, I coached Crescent College Junior Cup team with Annika, please. She was the head coach. I was the backs coach. Oh, look yeah. at you. 
Tell she's what. a great coach as well, so I'm not sure if she's going to go into that. But uh, no, she's she's a great woman, a great rugby player. And that's about it, guys. So, Rory Scannell, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. You survived. Yeah. Well done. You survived. Darren, great to have you on as well, man. It's good. Uh, the new format worked really, really well. Um, <laughs> Jason had a good few months at it, but Don't hopefully enjoyed Joyce's holiday because it's going to be a bloody long one. <laughs> yeah. and we'll all be back with a tash next week. Yeah, brilliant stuff. All right, and of course, a massive thank you to our partners, Bank of Ireland, proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. And we'll catch you next week, guys. Thanks very much. Joe presents House of Rugby. United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Yeah!